Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly vodcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, it does me such great pleasure to do what all of you are probably familiar with if you've been joining this community. I always like to make sure that I give a formal introduction of our guest co-hosts before bringing them on to share with us. I want you to know their accolades, their credentials, and, um, and then we'll let Brittany um, share with us in her own way. Brittany Janae is a Black woman, a mother, consultant, writer, and speaker, and advocate for equity, justice and radical self-love. She is a self-described perpetual wanderer, learner and unlearner committed to being possibility for what it means to show up as her most liberated self. Brittany Janae is the creator of Liberated Love Notes, critical self-reflections and affirmations for the culture, an affirmation card deck that centers the experiences of black folks existing in and healing from predominantly white spaces. The cards offer affirmations for overcoming the lie of imposter syndrome, disrupting injected and internalized forms of oppression, embodying an abundance mindset, and building healthy racial identity. We're going to talk about all of that today. She's also the host of the Liberated Love Notes podcast on Living Corporate Network. Brittany is also Vice President of Learning and Innovation with the Winters Group, one of the leading global diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting firms. You all may recall that we have Mary Frances Winters um, on our show, the end of 2021, joining us for broadcast. Her contributions to the firm most notably includes expanding its portfolio around mapping the intersection of social justice and traditional corporate DEI work. Her framework for Centering Justice has evolved the firm's approach to learning and education, design, and strategy work. So you all know where I'm going with this. I want you all to, in your own way, whether it's through use of some of the features in Zoom or the comments into the chat, help me to welcome our guest co-host today, Brittany Janae Harris. I'm so excited to have her here. I'm going to stop sharing my screen so that I may put her into the spotlight. So Brittany, just in your own way, welcome and provide greetings to this audience who is so excited to hear from you today. Appreciate the love. <laughs> and in as much as I understand the utility of reading um, a bio, I just, it always feels, um, I don't know, it just hit a little different hearing someone share uh, more about you. I will say that I felt affirmed in that it it, it absolutely reflected um, how I, I see I, I see myself, and so appreciate the love and chat. Um, am honored to be sharing space with another Black woman doing this work, something I certainly don't take lightly. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brittany. So I want you, now that we've had a chance to read your accolades and your credentials and talk a little bit at a high level about um, how in which you show up to this work, I want this audience to get to know you on a deeper level. So what can you share with us about Brittany <laughs> that we would not find in your bio that just helps us to get a little bit better connected as we jump into what I know is going to be a rich conversation today? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So yes, I am, um, I am Brittany Janae, and I'm going to emphasize the three syllables, y'all, because Loretta uh, 
makes very clear. I ain't named you Brittany. I named you Brittany. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, am, I am Brittany Janae Harris. And something that's not in my bio, but certainly a byproduct of the learning, unlearning, um, striving to be possibility that you mentioned is that I am human, worthy, and enough. And I lead with that because, and as much as that could seem like intuitive, um, I am ever uh, aware of the fact that I exist in this social context where I got to remind myself of that. As a Black woman, I am human. As a Black woman in this social context, I am enough as a Black woman who is um, working, but also unlearning the lie of anti-Blackness and colonialism. Uh, I am worthy. And so I lead with that um, as an affirmation, but then also an invitation for us to embody, um, you know, embody collectively. One of the things that I will often share in spaces, oh, and I haven't mentioned, I am also joining you all from Baltimore, Maryland here, land um, originally steward cared for, but stolen by or stolen from rather the Susquehannock and Piscataway tribes. And so I'm zooming in from the, from the East Coast here. Um, one thing I will also share and like to invite folks to consider for themselves is not just who I am, but also who, who I am from. Uh, I think there is such power in honoring our certain, certainly ancestral lineage, um, generational lineage, but even like spiritual um, lineage. And so at the top of last year, I started sharing and lifting up the names of folks who are near and dear to me um, and how I show up. And so I am from Corey and Loretta Harris, y'all teenage parents, but like peak Black love and um, very much so um, influenced how I show up and strive to lead in this work from a, from a place of love. I am from um, grandparents who, if you let them tell it, y'all, I am something like their wildest dreams. And so Lula B and Lula I am from Lucille's creative hands. And so if y'all see anything out there that I have created and you consider to be brilliant, no Lucille taught me. Um, and I am, I am from Elmer who recently uh, transitioned into ancestorship. Elmer, Elmer. And um, even in, you know, what is this? Uh, experience of emotion, uh, I uh, sit here marveling in what I've inherited, his big, big faith in this season, especially. And so that ain't on my bio, but today top of mind for me are, are certainly um, the community who continues to keep me, keep me lifted up. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's who I am. I am gonna, you know, in the spirit of holding space for joy and mourning. We talked about that earlier, y'all. Yes, yes. I am also um, newly something like, <laughs> I just wonder if they got music in the background. <laughs> I know, come with it, come with it. Let us know. <laughs> something like a fiance. 
Yeah, love how the hand goes up with the ring, yes. (laughs) And so had the distinct, had the pleasure of uh, celebrating another year of life last weekend and also um, being invited to share life with, with, with my partner. And so a lot happening. So I guess another I am is I am in this season of transition, of like mm-hmm. noticing, of evolving, of like being, and like being really like intentional about sitting with all of it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. And from this podcast community, certainly our deepest condolences to you and also our highest um, congratulations for on, on your new um, engagement. So really excited for you. Um, it's, it's such a beautiful way to um, express oneself, um, to give honor to those that have mm-hmm. helped you help them to develop into who they are, right? So I love the way that you gave such um, honor to to those who are the giants of the shoulders that of course you, you stand on. So I, 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 I honor that. So thank you so much. And um, you talked about the importance of asking the question of who are you from, you know? And mm-hmm. I love that. I love that that is something that's part of the way in which you show up in spaces. So let's talk about liberated love notes. And by the way, mine are on order and I cannot wait to get them. <laughs> What inspired this? How did it come to fruition? And and then even talk a little bit further about um, the addition for um, Black people in DEI. I love that you are helping to show love to us practitioners who do this really hard work, including yourself. And then it also turned into a podcast. So let's just unpack everything (laughs) related to Liberated Love Notes. Yeah, yeah. And so Liberated Love Notes, um, something like a love project. A love practice, y'all. And in as much as it has, has evolved into something that is accessible to um, Black folks in the world, it started out as part of my own just like personal praxis. Mm-hmm. And then also wanting to be responsive to some of what I was hearing from those who are very close to to, to me. And mm-hmm. so um, as many of you know, I am a Black woman working in DEI. And so certainly engaged in work dismantling systems that I am too personally impacted by, which was really exacerbated at the end of 2019 into 2020, just that impact. Mm-hmm. On top of that, um, I am intimately partnered and now engaged with a Black man in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And so, and as much as this is work, it's real personal. Like it is really a lot of gray and nuance, um, a lot of care um, necessary for me to show up uh, in the fullness, or at least how I strive to be. At the end of 2019 and at the top of 2020, I was really wrestling with uh, would you, would, what was this? Okay, I love this work. I feel like um, this is work that I should be doing. And yet I'm kind of really tired of it. Like I'm really tired, like I'm experiencing um, uh, a turning point where I'm wondering if I'm effective. I'm wondering if this work is really responsive to all that we are experiencing. I mean, I'm, I am hearing stories from people who I am in community with being impacted by systems 
on TV, we are being exposed to and on our social media screens, exposed to like images of, you know, black pain, black trauma. Um, and is DEI enough? Am I enough? I had in so many ways um, had my professional identity linked up with like my sense of self that I couldn't differentiate or, yeah. uh, you know, I started to internalize, hmm, if this work is ineffective, does this mean I'm ineffective? If yeah. this work is not enough, does this mean I'm not doing enough? If this work is insufficient, am I somehow not, you know, walking in or uh, doing, you know, purpose for or walking in my purpose? One of the things that I started doing was writing affirmations to myself. Mm. no Britt like you love this work you are engaged in this work but you are also more than this work and so even when this work feels insufficient you are absolutely more than enough um when I would um have conversations with my partner and now I'm fiance about some of the nuance that um comes with being black in a very harmful white supremacist anti-black system that causes harm to the people with whom you are in community yeah. you know I had to have honest loving conversations around you know when we are as a matter of fact I'll read the liberated love note in a bit that I wrote for him when we are in systems that cause harm we absolutely need to be mindful of that yeah. proximity to power and institution we absolutely need to be mindful of how we um, still communicate our, uh, our um, love and care for community. Mm -hmm. And we got to create boundaries so that we're not internalizing these systems as deficiencies in us. Mm -hmm. And so liberated love notes were, were literally affirmations to myself for people that I loved and mm -hmm. was responsive to what I felt like in 2020 was a lot of work that was was centering white folks and their curiosities and certainly new energy around anti-racism, but not necessarily work that was responsive to black people who are in real time engaged in the work, but then also impacting, um, being impacted by, by these systems. And so it's, it's one part, liberated love notes is one part affirmations, but it's also intended to begin to facilitate more critical self-reflection and understanding of who we are in these systems. And so it's affirming, it's loving, but my hope is also that it's facilitating some sort of unlearning yeah. right, in service of us showing up as our most, our most liberated selves. And so, um, that it, 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 it was, it was, it is and continues to be um, a love offering, a love project, but certainly a byproduct of my own just like personal wonderings. Um, I'll say in the spirit of honoring my intellectual lineage, deeply inspired by the work of our now ancestor, Bell Hooks, oh, who yeah. for me um, granted me permission to think more critically about how I, as a black body, have internalized colonial, uh, internalized oppression and internalized racism and how, um, what she refers to as a return to love, a return to love involves 
you know, unlearning and doing that in community. And that not meaning that I'm any less committed to the, you know, any less committed to the work or committed to our people or bad person any more than I am a human in a system that has, you know, caused harm in, in how we think and be. So certainly inspired by the work of Bell Hooks, um, Toni Morrison, um, Audre Lorde, who reminds us yes. that, hey, if we're not unlearning, we'll use the master's tools when we when we build our own. So I could go on. Let me let me stop. And well, you're bringing some legendaries into this conversation. So I'm loving that. Again, I, I love the way that you honor you honor others and especially those that have inspired a lot of your work. But I also saw you reaching. You referenced the liberated love notes um, for your partner, and I saw you reaching. So I feel like there's energy to share that with us. So we would be so honored. <laughs> well, look at you. Look at you. But... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so I wish I gotta find it. I gotta find it, and so okay. Well, while um, you're finding it, yeah, I'll give you a moment to find it. Um, you know, we did place into the chat how people can access the liberated love notes. Like I said, mine are on order and on the way, and I look forward to being inspired and affirmed. Because listen, I was listening to you, and this work is hard, and so we we carry the burden oftentimes of the pain and suffering that those who trust us to just hear their stories and believe their stories. And that's a lot to carry. That is a lot to carry and walk around with. And so um, I, I value the fact that you have thought of a, a, a product, a, a, a way for people through this as a tool to be able to help navigate some of what they could be experiencing in those moments. And then um, I don't know if you can multitask your looking, but I was going to ask you, so once the cards were created, then you said, I want to take this message and bring it to a larger audience. And so podcast it is, right? <laughs> is that how that happened? How did you end up shifting to the podcast? Yes. So I'm going to, um, that's, a, so there's a whole story behind that okay. that is uniquely grounded in my values. And so don't let me lose it. I'm going to read you the, um, I pulled out three, but I'm only going to read the one now that okay was really a love, a love note to, to my partner and any black person existing within a system that has caused harm to, to, to black bodies. And so it says, if I am working within a white institution that has caused harm towards black people, I recognize that my proximity to whiteness may create distrust among my community. This is not an indictment on me. This is a signal of my responsibility to reassure my allegiance to Black liberation. Mm. And so one of the things that I've tracked and ex, you know, certainly want to honor is that there is often a toll that Black bodies experience as they are in institutions wanting to do the work, but also like balancing, like wanting to do the work having to build trust with other um, Black, I think about the role of chief diversity officers, how they're like the proximity to leadership, but then there's also sometimes this like distrust among other Black folks in within the institution. So important for us to experience, and this is one of my values, y'all, clarity. Clarity around who we are in system and the responsibility we hold when we have proximity to power and institution. And so it's an affirmation, but then it's also like a call to hopefully think more critically, right? Mm -hmm. About 
um, how we're positioned. I got two more that I'll save for later. Don't don't let me. I'll, I'll save them for later. We will not. We will, we will not let you forget. But I want to answer your question about yes, the, the podcast. Um, the podcast, and so uh, I wrote down liberated. I wrote down affirmations card affirmation cards in my journal, January fourth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, January 4th last year. Um, and, and then launched it, the idea, because I swear, spirit, ancestors, when they put something on you, provision is real. Launched it on my birthday that February. I shared it with a friend, an idea. This was just an idea. And this is why it's so good. Like part of community care is having the right people in your circle who will gas you up and want to leverage their resources to, to amplify. Yes. I shared the idea before it was even printed with my good friend, Zach. Zach is the creator of Living Corporate Network. I said, Zach, I got this idea I wanna do. I don't really have it like mapped out, but just what's your thoughts? Um, Zach said, my thoughts is you need to do this and I wanna support you in getting the message out there. And I'm like, like, whoa, like what you, you know, interestingly enough, one of my values at the top of the year was collective. I was creating an intentional, really being intentional about leveraging the power of the collective throughout the year 2021. Zach said, um, I feel like this message, um, certainly these, these cards are excellent. And what would it look like if you could begin to, or be a voice of encouragement for folks as they kick off their week? Like literally, you're a voice of encouragement. He said, liberated love knows needs to be a podcast. And initially I was like, nah, I was like, ah, I just don't know. I'm prioritizing ease this year. I don't want to add more <laughs> things to my plate. Right. And um, at the same time, and this is where provision comes into play. Uh, one of the beauties I feel like or lessons in leveraging the collective is that you don't have to do it all on your own. You know right. what I mean? And so there was such uh, there was for me, I was able to still prioritize ease because I journal, I had the content here and all I really had to do was talk it through, mm -hmm. um, talk it through and show up in this medium, you know, with assurance that I could be my authentic self. And so Liberated Love Notes has since evolved into um, a podcast where I share affirmations, reflections for us, by us, um, at the top of the week. And so season one is out there in the sphere and um, I'm still processing what season two will look like just mm. based on all that is going on. Um, I will say that you asked about the episode specific to DEI practitioners. Yes, yes, that's where so, I was going next, yes. <laughs> um, so initially this, this, uh, this, this, this series, which is Black folks in, in white spaces, here are some nuggets to keep you feeling um, not just woke, but like whole as you're in system. Yeah. And then I started to journal one day on a liberated love note specific to DEI or Black folks in DEI who feel like, you know, or who feel like doing the work, who feel like giving up when the work no longer feels like enough. And so, um, that episode in particular are my reflections around what it's y'all are so good in the chat Anna we see you my team is always on it let me tell you <laughs> I, 
what? Okay, we see. I mean, it's there. Um, so so are, are really my reflections um, around managing the toll of this work, um, prioritizing my value. Someone talked about boundaries, establishing emotional boundaries um, for myself and honoring other people's boundaries. So, so I have the great pleasure of, of not just being a DEI practitioner, but then also leading a team of brilliant people. And a big part of my work, and as much as it is designing sessions and facilitating for other people, and I also must um, do the work myself, embody the work myself. And so this episode is, is a loving call to account for DEI practitioners to, um, yes, do the work, facilitate, help others and ensure that we're developing a praxis for ourselves, because that can absolutely um, get lost. And then we end up perpetuating the same stuff that we seek to support others in disrupting and how they be. Uh, so that's the essence of that episode, um, a loving note of accountability, um, one that I hope is nourishing to Black folks specifically as we navigate this like unique time as DEI practitioners. Yeah, that was so lovely. So lovely. It really was. And, and yeah, we do have the, um, the links to the podcast that you referenced and to the chat. This is so timely for me as well, because I'm working on a piece right now that aligns with what you're sharing and that it's, it's what I am phrasing as you know, love note to DEI practitioners, right? And mm-hmm. um, there's so many people that are gravitating to this space. And so I love the fact that there's this mm-hmm. excitement about the work and there's this interest in this work. But I, I also, um, having experienced this work for quite some time, I know the heavy lift and the, how the, the burdens that we carry as practitioners, as I referenced before. And so I, I, I don't be surprised if I reference you and to, um, and to this pinned work and, and particularly direct people to your, your love notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about what do you advise for those looking to overcome imposter syndrome? Because I know that's also a part of, again, the self-love and knowing our worth. And so I want you just to touch on that as well, because it's definitely real. Yeah. So it's so, so, so I, so one of the, uh, so one of the cards that I pulled out kind of gets at that. And I actually wrote this one initially for my father. Mm. I wrote this one for my father, a black man existing in, um, to a, a heavily white dominated industry in space. And it reads, there will be moments when I feel like I do not belong. I will not internalize those moments as deficiency in me. Not only do I belong, but I am also worthy of taking up space. Mm. And so I have this, I have this love, hate relationship with the, the language of imposter syndrome, um, because sometimes it can be referenced as something that is inherent to us. Like there is something in me that feels like I don't belong here, which is a very real feeling. Like we live in a culture of domination. And so one of the things you can always bet on is all of us somehow receiving a message from the system that Mm -hmm. we are not worthy. We don't belong. That's a very, that's a unique, that's a, that's a symptom of a culture of domination. And 
as black bodies in in some in certain spaces there are not off there's not often enough attention to the actual like systems policies cultural norms that create a context that would have us feel that way mm-hmm. and so um when it comes to imposter syndrome and evolving i would say one evolving one's understanding of it is knowing that it's the system like mm-hmm. you're not you know um you are not inherently less than it is. You're not tripping by thinking that you don't belong. The system is actually working as it is intended for you to feel that way. Now, I think this is the beauty of developing a critical consciousness because it's, it's kind of like the difference between being from my perspective in a space on autopilot and being in a space where you can take these sort of like liberal pauses and check like, oh, wow this is what's happening here. Yes. I'm able to take a step back and be like, oh, I'm feeling this way because we're using coded language that is very much so linked to white dominant cultural norms. And that's not inherent to who I am. So of course, I'm not going to feel like I'm like, I'm able to track all of that um, because of, you know, the work that I've done to certainly understand myself, but understand, understand systems. I love, love, I love um, Dr. Love's approach to a liberatory consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. That's a nice, that's a significant body of work. I feel like when it comes to developing um, understanding of systems, it ain't us and them, it's us and it. How do we unravel that? And how does it influence how I'm showing up? And so I also think that the, um, you know, uh, one of the um, bodies of work that I have become more because I know Anna and Courtney are going to want to show you all this. I'm going to grab this book. Hold on really quick. Okay, sure, sure. One of, the, one of the bodies of work that has helped me as a Black person, and this connects back to your question around imposter syndrome, has been um, understanding the sort of like inherent ways of being Mm -hmm. um, related to the black cultural experience. Mm -hmm. Um, because in the corporate context, especially if you've spent a good deal of your, um, time and life and career there, it becomes like a perpetual forgetting, meaning like you forget who you are, you forget what may be there because you're being asked to conform and assimilate into, into this. This read has been a Sankofic one for me. It's called Spirituality and the Black Helping Tradition. Brittany, what does that have to do with imposter syndrome? The more I understand about myself, the less I even question the fidelity of imposter syndrome, right? And so the, the, uh, the, um, the, the, the Black Helping Tradition, a work by Martin and Martin, um, actually the founders, the late Elmer Martin and his wife who was still here in Baltimore are the founders of the Great Blacks and Wax Museum. And the, the, the Black Helping Tradition, I think is an excellent read for any Black person who is doing what they call caregiving work. Yeah. work to move forward our um, collective struggle and collective well-being because it emphasizes the role of the spiritual self, the racial self. And this third one, I heard it on last week's talk, the communal self, right? Mm-hmm. The communal self. It's mm-hmm. a remembering. The more you know about yourself, the less the imposter syndrome lie is even 
right. Right. Um, a, a thing. Um, yeah. 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 I'll pause. I, no, that's so good. And I, <laughs> I, I resonate with that. And I, I agree with you, Brittany, because what comes to mind for me is, um, it's, it's a misdiagnosis mm-hmm. and that's actually how I label it. You know, I have a session that, that I, that I do and it's about imposter syndrome and it's, you know, imposter syndrome and misdiagnosis. That's precisely yeah. what it is. Yes, and so, yes. yeah, I, I am definitely tracking with you on that. So we're going to be shifting momentarily to take your questions. Um, I'm sure this audience has much to contribute to the conversation and probably some very specific questions they would like for you to address. And so I'm going to ask one more question, and then I will give this audience an opportunity. And you can ask your questions by sharing it in the chat if you don't want to come off mute and present your question live. That's totally fine. We love to see smiling faces. We love to hear from others. And so if that's something you're comfortable with, then we definitely would love to give you that opportunity. So you mentioned that your goals this year are centered around clarity, ease, and perspective. So tell us more about this and how it transcends into the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Clear, so, it's, it's, so it's actually, it's clarity, ease, and I probably misspoke, collective. Collective. Um, my bad, yeah, collective. And so those are um, three intentions that have since evolved into like my core values. Um, I emphasize that because in the spirit of transparency and self-love, self-care, I, um, I have a therapist. And so one of the, one of the activities, so, 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 so one of the activities that um, she had me do, brilliant, one of the activities that she had me do as I was trying to just wrestle with and process a lot that's going on in my life, she said, write out all your values. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we're in situations where we're trying to decide like what to do, we do pro and cons lists. Yeah. And that kind of perpetuates a binary, right? Mm-hmm. She said, write out all your values and, every t- and, and think about everything that's going on in your life. Um, then uh, group those things by like values fulfillment and those things that are like values violators. Mm-hmm. I get to your question. And so in as much as those started out as intentions for how I wanted to um, just like govern myself throughout the year, clarity supports me in understanding, especially in the context of our work, what is my immediate sphere of influence and impact? Because we can get really overwhelmed and take on a lot that ain't even our work. Clarity mm-hmm. is part of radical self-love and care. Ease, you know, I'm I'm unlearning the conflation. And I think I heard you say this, Dr. Nika, the conflation of excellence and perfectionism. And oh, so yes. yeah, mm-hmm. and so I so so ease for me is this um is this way of identifying incremental ways to just pause. Um, you know, disrupt sense of urgency and how I react, learning to settle my body, um, which I'm really proud of, as that was a really big part of my work last year and is ongoing. And then collective, how I strive to, again, center community and just how I be. To your question, and so to bring it all together, and as much as that was like a, just a guiding light initially at the top of the year, it has since now helped me like just track how I engage and even my triggers when in community with others. I now know that when I have a reaction, it might be because not that I'm just in my feelings, 
or not, you know, it is my values are, are, are likely being violated here. Let me get curious about what what's going on here. My, yes. you know, my value of ease is, is which is entrenched, which is core to who we are, is being violated here. Let me figure out what boundary I might need to put in place or how I might need to communicate a boundary. And so, and as much as the words, from my perspective, they end up being, remember I showed, told you earlier, I was going to show you a picture. This is yes. divinely, it is, is, the time has come, I'm about to show you. So, okay, so, awesome. so the reason why this value stuff is important, y'all, and I had the, the pleasure of talking to Dr. Nika White and, and team before the call. And I was telling them about my journal and how my, my, my journal has become such a big part of my processing. Let me show you why this values thing is so important. Um, a couple months, uh, it's here. No, it is absolutely here. Give me. You just had it right before the top of the hour. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Okay, so um, the reason why this values exercise for me is important, setting intentions is important, it is because it keeps me rooted. It keeps mm -hmm. me rooted. So I drew this picture, y'all, in my journal uh, sometime last year. And it was actually because I was... Um, I was processing an affirmation that I had wrote for myself. I am not my work. I wrote that a couple um, last year, like I am not my work as an affirmation and boundary statement. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to establish greater clarity for myself around what I actually meant by that, right? And what I was wanting to affirm is what it means to be rooted in something other than what you do. Yeah. I am rooted in my values, my history, intergenerational wisdoms, I am, I see that faith, sprout out. Your faith there. Mm -hmm. I, I see that show up in the world through my purpose. But then also, because I'm not my work, work shows up as a leaf, a branch, as do hobbies, as right. do what else I got on here, y'all? Your job, your practice. Mm -hmm. And so when you're rooted, if you know anything about cutting down trees, you can like cut this down. And it's like, like the roots are still gonna be there. Right. Winter will come and the stuff that the stuff will, you know, will fall, the leaves will fall, but the tree is still there. And so um, I, I, if my call to action or if there was a call to action, what does it mean to be, you know, rooted? What are mm -hmm. your values? What history? Who are you from? Um, what faith and spiritual traditions can you begin to embody to stay rooted what generational gifts, we talk a lot about, and then I'm gonna really be quiet. We talk a lot about, rightfully so, all the ways in which we need to heal from generational you know, traumas. And I have reveled in the gifts and inheritances um, of those who have come before me. That's important too, mm -hmm. um, uh, honoring that. So that's the values conversation. I hope it was meaningful. It was incredibly uh, meaningful, <laughs> incredibly meaningful. You're getting a lot of great commentary into the chat. So I do hope that after today, you'll have a chance to review some of the great feedback that's coming from the chat. So I have so much more I could lean into, but I, I am not going to be selfish. This, this community is here because they also wanted to hear from you. And so I want to give um, those who have joined here today an opportunity. If you feel empowered and inclined to want to contribute to the conversation with 
a resource or a comment or a very specific question for our guest co-host today, I want to invite you to unmute yourself at this time and share. And we can do this by the raise hand feature as well, so I can easily kind of find you and spotlight you. But who has a question or comment for our community today? I'm tracking some of the chat too. Rachel, I see your question, by the way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Rachel, do you want to come? Do you want to join? I, I'm looking for a good one. For I, I love this. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm. I'm listening. Sorry, my camera's not working. Oh, everyone, I'm not being rude. But um, this has been a very emotional, um, intentional conversations for me. Mm. And I guess my question is. What love note would you give a black boy who is struggling in a predominantly white school? Mm. And I, I guess I just did not, I'm black, <laughs> but, and I've been around white people my whole time, but I'm realizing that I have such a thick skin that he does not. But also I did not have constant images of black men being killed daily. And I didn't have white counterparts who made fun of that and mock that at school. And I, I was not an only one and he is. So he needs a love note, Brittany. Mm. So what, uh, what love note would you, would you give a young black boy who is in a system that's not created for him. And you know what, um, Rachel, this speaks to me as, as a mother, certainly, but even a caregiver to black boys. Um, am mindful of the toll that like, this is heavy, this is heavy. Um, and uh, am, uh, so sending you love and, um, just want to affirm that, you know, for what it's worth, and I'll get to the love note, he, he deserves better. He absolutely, our children, you know, I, I, th I think about as adults, how difficult it is to process and be in those spaces and how, how our children, our, our children absolutely deserve, deserve better. Um, I am a black body existing in a world that would suggest I am less than or deficient, but this is not my truth. And I reject those lies. I am not less than, I am not deficient. Um, and then another one, right? Because and as much as I feel like adults in, in, in white spaces deserve spaces where they can prioritize community, I feel like children especially deserve. I deserve spaces to process my lived experiences, healing and trauma without the white gaze. And I actually feel like that is an imperative at this age, especially as we figure out how to, um, where possible, hopefully, hopefully remove our, ourselves from environments that are toxic, but then also create opportunities for us and our children to heal from them because we, we deserve better. He, he deserves better. Mm -hmm. uh, so sending you love because I am mindful of the, 
the weird space we are often in as caregivers striving to, you know, provide and give I think about, and I speak for, this is a person, this is, this is like one of my, per, my, my, my rememberings, not judging my parents. I remember when the goal was to get us out of Baltimore city. I, I, I remember and in processing, you know, what it must've meant to think that distancing ourselves from blackness was necessary in order for us to, you know, be set or good. I'm just like processing all of that, even as I try to reimagine differently for, you know, my liberated five-year-old, mm -hmm. um, right? And so, so yeah. Mm. Thank, Thank you, Brittany. Brittany. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. So I'm going to go to Rachelle now. I'm actually going to spotlight you. You have your hand raised and then we'll go to Gail after Rachelle. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you joining our community today. Oh, thank you so much for, for having us and creating this safe space. It's honestly a psychologically safe space to be in. And Brittany, there's so, I, I have so many questions to ask you, but I promise I'll only, I'll only ask one. And I think, you know, when George Floyd was murdered, mm -hmm. there were many, many uh, racial experiences that I had definitely left in my subconscious mind to, be, to continue working in the spaces that I was working in. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a catalyst and a very big trigger. And like you, in creating my podcast. And I believe that these authentic conversations that we're, we're having today is, is, is healing. Mm. It's therapeutic, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, when was it that you realized that you had to establish boundaries? You know, boundaries is a big thing for black women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right? When did you realize, what was your trigger? When were you triggered to realize that now I have to start creating boundaries? Mm -hmm. So, so um, let me tell you this, talk about where I'm from. So I feel like before I even had the language or we even had the language of boundaries, Loretta, my mother, was like team boundaries. And so let me just give you this example. This is what I mean by it's in us. My mom was one of those um, moms, even though she was young, where she was like, you know what? You ain't about to do anything or everything around my child, even to her elders, which is kind of taboo in the community because we're taught to like revere. Wow. You're not about to, you know, you're not about to be, nope, she can't go over there. Nope, she can't stay with you. Nope, she, mom was team boundaries before I even realized it. They used to say, Loretta be acting funny. And so fast forward, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, 30 odd years later, 30 or so years later, I think for me, um, remembering that that was in me um, was right before the pandemic, right before the global pandemic. So the end of 2019. Um, and I was really starting to feel like, you know, you know and I, I can say this, um, transparently, I was really starting to call into question just the DEI industry in general. Like what in the, it just was, it just started to feel like um, 
a lot was going on. And then maybe there's like, there's a whole bunch, it, it necessarily wasn't always yielding the impact that I would expect. That is also okay because I could fall into the trap of binaries myself and start like, that's the wrong way. That's the right way. That's the wrong way. That's the wrong way. But I think um, what it triggered in me was this, uh, this, this need to establish more emotional boundaries. Britt, the entire DEI industry is not your work. I mean, you're part of it. Mm-hmm. You can influence change, like be mindful. I'm o- I've only been in the game for like a decade. You know, there are people who've been doing this for way longer than I. And so for me, it was a matter of like, you know, emotional boundaries. You're a little bit too emotionally. Uh, yes, it's personal. Yes, it influences your lived experiences. And you're a little bit too emotionally invested at this point. Anytime there's such thing as like being overly critical. I was over, you know, I mean, how do you hold space? I think Bell talks about this, right? How do you, there's, there's this balance of loving accountability, right? There's this fine balance of like loving accountability. I want to write on that soon. Um, And so for me, once I started to feel a little too overly critical, I was like, yeah, we need some emotional boundaries here. Yeah. I'm not reading white fragility. I'm going to start reading restorative things that make me feel good about this work and myself. There are levels to being woke. You know what I mean? And there's a path to getting woke that doesn't have to, to be centered on black pain. There's a pathway to woke and heightened consciousness that doesn't have to be centered on like black trauma. There's, there's, there's a pathway to, 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 to knowing and understanding that doesn't have to be grounded in like how we are harmed by system. And I like it there, you know, I like it there. You have to, we have to change the language. And in, we have to change our mindset. Matter. Yes, language, language. Rochelle, we could we could have a whole listen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know. well, the great thing is, I'll, I'll I'll announce the great thing is is that Rochelle is going to actually be joining us as a guest, mm-hmm. um, on a host on a future show. And so, yes, maybe we have to lean into that when you <laughs> you come back to join us. But yes, a whole conversation on its own could take place just on that topic. So, thank you for being mm-hmm. here today and sharing. Uh, Gail, I want to go to you now, and this is probably going to be the last question we can take, unfortunately, but I'm going to spotlight you now, and um, I do know that Brittany has a hard stop, so I do want to honor um, what she's brought to to, um, the conversation today by making sure that we can get her out of here on time. Go for it, Gail. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Um, Brittany and uh, Dr. White. uh, This is my first time in this space, and what what an introduction. Um, My heart is full. Uh, two questions. Uh, one, when are you going to bring back the shirt? Um, I have to, yeah, have I saw it. your, question. your website and I was like, I, I, need was that like shirt. Okay, <laughs> I need but the shirt. I need the shirt. Tell everybody what shirt are we talking about? I saw it in the chat earlier and I'm familiar with all the products that of course are out yeah. there. So share the shirt. America does not deserve black women black because women. they surely do not. Get me the shirt, please. Yeah, I, I, I yes. want one too. <laughs> My hands raised. America, Look, that, shirt, that shirt done got me in trouble. Since <laughs> it is the facts. It is a fact, facts. and we we cannot deny facts. So please, 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 um, get back the shirt. And second of all, and um, I know we're running out of time, and maybe this is something we could talk about later. But what happens in spaces where you feel like you're being pitted against other, um. Black women in particular, other people of color, when you are in a 
DEI space and, it, and you feel like you're in an adversarial relationship with other Black women, that to me is, it hit different. that's a different kind of pain. It hit different. Um, one of the um, one of one of my learnings, one of uh, the body, one of the bodies of work that I <clears throat> introduced into my personal practice in 2019 into 2020 was somatic abolitionism and being very attuned to like just how my body, how trauma um exists in my body and more specifically you named it how horizontal trauma is projected as it relates to or because of our experiences under sort of the vertical trauma of white supremacy and so um i want to affirm that it absolutely does hit different it has helped me to take on a trauma-informed approach to how i understand those relationships yes um there is a very real impact. And I'm a little bit more curious about like, what happened? What is, it ain't just that they, it ain't just crabs and real. It ain't just people. And it really is um, an unlearning that has not yet happened. It's also, um, and I'm about to read you this liberated love note that was actually written to get at that. It has also helped me to get real intentional about how I distance myself emotionally because sometimes we feel like just because you know we love black people yes I have a love 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 of black folks and there are sometimes boundaries when relationships are abusive that need to be in place there needs to be clarity around what is my work and what is their work and how I'm not I shouldn't be owning their work and so Here's the liberated love note I have for you, Gail. Before you read that, Brittany, I just want to quickly say that I know you have a hard break. And so I want us to end with that note. I want to just go ahead and say my goodbyes and my oh. thank you to everyone for being here today, including you, Brittany. So yes, close us out. Close us out. It is, or it reads, I am loving, gracious, and invested in the growth of those with whom I am in relationship. Still, I will not internalize nor own others' work as my own. They are not my work. Clarity, y'all, they are not our work. I appreciate y'all so much, Dr. Nika, Anam, Courtney, Amora, everybody that um, made this happen and everybody here. Thank you so much. Take great care. Bye-bye. Right.